even let me set up yet, right? Good morning. All right. I told my wife on this rainy, cold day, we might have 50 people there. But, but I forgot, we don't play that here. Amen? Because if rain will keep you away from a little blessing, then maybe you ain't ready for the blessing. Amen? So amen. Here's the, here's the, here's the quote this morning. Believers are never told to become one. We already are one. We're just expected to act like it. Thorma's right, right there. I want to share with you this morning on the theme, Divided We Fall. Divided we fall. We talked about and, and shared a lot of things last week, man, and the response has been awesome. And, and the, the focus was all about things that matter, right? Taking care of the things that matter, prioritizing the things that matter. We can go through life and, and spend years and, and waste so much time consumed with insignificant things. Somebody say amen. Like, like harboring unforgiveness, entire seasons, drinking poison, waiting for somebody else to die. Like living in habitual sin and thinking it's not affecting anyone while it's destroying your marriage and, and wrecking your family. Like focusing on just amassing wealth and having power at the expense of building foundation and strengthening family. Listen, there's nothing wrong with, with being success. Man, I came just right out the gate, right? I'm sorry. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. I love you guys. I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm just, well, okay, I'm sorry. Let's just go in. Listen, this, this, let, me, let me pull it back a little bit. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with making good financial decisions. We should all be working to get out of debt. Come on. The word, the word tells us that the borrower is a slave to the lender. We should learn to live under our means. That means, that means what? Not spending more because we make more. We have to be careful with the comparison trap. Amen? She got a new one. I want a new one. He got that one. I want the bigger one. Who would have thought five years ago that we'll spend $1,000 on a cell phone? $1,000 on a cell phone, and we're doing it. Why? Because they say it's only $39 added to your bill. And so, and that's the justification we get. It's only 30, yeah, 27 years though. Listen, if you have debt, you should not have a $1,000 phone. Okay, I'll leave that alone. To make good financial decisions, we have to focus on things that matter. Amen? We talked about how God gave all this wisdom to King Solomon, and he didn't walk in it. And after he wasted his entire life amassing wealth and women and everything he could hoard, he discovered that it was all meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing satisfies. And at the conclusion of Ecclesiastes, like we said, he gave us wise counsel. He said, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Because that's the duty of man. And, and if you connect that to what Jesus said was the greatest commandments, and then we put that together, he, we have to love God and love people. And it sounds silly to even repeat that, but, but that has to be the focus and the mission of the church, to love God and to love people. Because divided we fall. 
My, my wife shared her heart last week, and, and we got a great response, and it, and it was about something that's really arrested our hearts, and I can't stop dreaming about it. I'm, I have battles in my, in my sleep about this now, and I, feel, I really feel like when God was calling us out of the church, I'm, I'm feeling that same, I feel that same calling out, and I don't think God's calling me out of here. I think God is calling us out of here. TSF Español was step one. We live in a community that speaks Spanish. It makes sense. We have to speak their language. Amen? But I think we're at a season now in this body where we're mature enough. We've gone through enough. We've overcome enough. We're blessed enough to stop worrying about us. And start moving as one to be light in dark places. I, I love that there's so many people in here, young people, old people, are in school right now. I mean, getting, getting degrees and getting professions. Why? To be light in dark places. Amen? Because the, the today's church thinks we only got to be in here and be light. We don't need light in here. We need light in every profession. We need light in lawyer, in the, in the hospital, in the law house, in the courthouse. In the, we need light. Amen? If all the Christians are in church. So it amazes me how, how, how God can use the one thing that we've been saying for, for the last you know, bunch of weeks. And, and use it to, to kind of even say something else or even speak more and take it even further. Watch this. I, I started this series from here to there, right? And, and as you already know, we've been, it's talking about we've been following God's people through the Old Testament and watching how they live and watching what God did and how God was there and how, how you know, he, we, we were following these people into Easter. And so our goal was, was to go from the Old Testament and, and, and follow his people and see where they go all the way until Easter Sunday, right? Into the New Testament church. And so so the goal was to take a historical journey through the scriptures from here to there and see how God's people respond to God's grace. And I wanted us to see how God works in people's lives so that maybe we can identify God's grace in our own lives. Maybe in ways we haven't seen before. And I, I have to be honest, I thought that was pretty clever. But God is so much smarter than me. <laughs> Just when you, you know, when I can sit back and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I got a, you know, I got this thing. God said, you don't even, you ain't even scratching the surface. You don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing something so much bigger. You think you're like, you're, you're doing amazing things, but it's me behind you that's doing amazing things. <laughs> you're this little puppet man, you know. And so I'm, I'm seeing this thing is, is taking a twist. And we're, as we're moving from the Old Testament church and seeing God's grace and their response to it. And unfortunately, we see again and again how they find themselves in trouble. And again, they find themselves doing things that they never thought the people of God could do because of where they are spiritually. And we've seen the people of God continually act like they were not men and women of God. And unfortunately, we can identify. Say amen. With a lot of that because we find ourselves at times in situations that we shouldn't be in. We find how we've responded to God's grace sometimes just like this Old Testament church. Listen, we might not be this, the same or we might not see it the same because we're not building, you know, statues and, and worshiping them. But we make idols out of things. We put things and people and desires before God. We let our lust drive us. Yeah, don't look around. It's good. <laughs> we've wanted what God didn't want for us. And we've gone to hell and back to get it. Only to realize it doesn't satisfy. Keep looking straight forward. It's all good. And what I'm seeing now is that, that as we're going through and seeing these stubborn Old Testament people of God and we're moving from here to there, we're not staying here. Say amen. We're, we're passing through. We're not stopping here. This is not where we end up. This is not where God would have us want us to be like. We're going from here to there. And what we're walking into is a New Testament church. Come on. And, and, and now, 
we'll, we'll see that they're not perfect either. And, you know, they're going to make mistakes too. And they're going to take the grace of God for granted. And they're going to deal with their consequences as well. But we're moving from here to there. We're moving towards a spirit-filled Book of Acts church. Here's what's important about that. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would be on one person. And then it would move from that person to the next person. And it would, it would rest on Saul. And then it was removed from Saul and it rested on David. And then the Spirit of God was with uh, Samson when, when he pushed the pillars and destroyed the enemy. See, the Spirit of God would rest on certain people for certain periods to accomplish certain things. That's how it worked in the Old Testament here. That was here. But there in the New Testament, the Spirit of God not only rests on certain individuals, it resides in every believer. It's available to me today to preach His Word. It's available to you today to listen and respond. And have deeper revelations in your heart and in your mind. The way God was with Moses, he's with us. Calling us to lead people out of captivity. Come on. The way he was with Joshua, he's with us. Telling us, be strong and courageous and he'll deliver us from our enemies. The way he was with the judges, he's with us. As they were enabled to bring people out of captivity and into peace with God. He's with us. We've been enabled to bring people into peace with God. What, what, what else could you do in this world that is more satisfying than that? The way he was with Gideon when he took on over 100,000 soldiers with 300 men. He's with us. The way he was with Ruth, providing for her, bringing her to her Redeemer. He's with us. Somebody say amen. amen. But here's where we have to reflect. How can the church... The body of Christ, filled with the Spirit of God, each and every believer. I mean, you have to get that. Like, even if there's, there's 200 people here, and, and he's in 150 people. I just killed 50 of you, right? That's messed up. I just said 50 of you, you are just visiting, you ain't even serious with God. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. But I'm just saying numerically. If he's with that many believers in one place... How can we be so self-absorbed that we worry more about our church experience than the hurting and the lost and the broken and the kidnapped and the abused and the hungry and the trafficked? While we're safe here in, in these walls complaining about things that don't matter. United with God, we're his partners in this great commission. Divided, we fall. How can we sit here comfortable in our sin before God? I'm praying for a wave of conviction to just fill every church. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the church. I'm praying for a wave of conviction to fill every church building this morning. To make us uncomfortable. In the things that makes God uncomfortable. How can, this always gets me, maybe because I'm a pastor, but how can we be so comfortable that we can criticize sermons and preachers, complain about song choice and music, get offended, get bored, and go from church to church seeking to elevate our experience? Pretending we want to grow more without having the character or experience to sustain growth. I know that's a nervous clapping. But 
But, you know, sometimes as a pastor and people come and I say, you know, I'm leaving because, you know, I need to grow and I need to. You know, and inside, you know, the, the man in me sometimes will say, but you want to grow for what? Si tú no haces nada. You don't do nothing here. What, what do you want to grow for? Grow for what? You want to be the smartest sitter down in the church? For what? Because you want to lean over to somebody when the pastor's preaching and say, you know, I don't think he, he, he uh, you know, kind of broke that down. I think that's a little out of context. <laughs> well, at least he's working. <laughs> what are you doing? See, in, in, we're in the here, but, you know, we're going there. And, and in the there, God used 12 men and a handful of women to turn the world upside down. And one of them was a traitor to betray him. I'm scared that if he took 12 entire churches today, we wouldn't be able to accomplish one-third of what they did. I think it's time we looked outside. I, I think it's time we listen to the news, we see what's grieving God, and we let it grieve us too, and then we do something about it. Are you with me? I read, <coughs> I read this, this, just this past week, another mega church pastor fell in Chicago. Man has thousands of people coming to the church, he's written dozens of books, Books about manhood, books about, you know, acting like men, books about building, books about changing the world, books that, that we use in, in theology classes. I mean, uh, a bright man, and, uh, and he falls, and, 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 and because he had too much money, he didn't know what to do with it. And the church suffers. And the church suffers. They were paying this man over 350000 a year. Listen, if you guys ever gave me $350,000 a year. No, I'm being dead serious. For those of you that don't know, I work outside of here. This isn't my, I work a full-time job. All right? And, and, and I'm not, and how do I put this delicately? Um, <laughs> I'm not saying I have to because the word says I'm entitled to, 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 to earn. And so I'm not, I'm not talking about pastors saying, oh, they shouldn't. They should all be working. No, I wish that I could be here full time. And I'm longing for that day so that I can do more, so that I can be more about it. And I want that. So, so it's not that, 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 that that's what I want to do. You know, thankfully, I get to do a lot of ministry there. <laughs> but, but if you guys are paying me $350,000 a year, it better be because we've already built homes, we've already built shelters, we have, we have uh, pantries for clothes and pantries for food, and we, like, our entire community is so blessed, and we're setting up churches in the Philippines, and in time we're rescuing kids there and rescuing, and there's just so much money, we say, Pastor, we got to give you some of this, just, amen? Okay. Now you guys are going to be talking to the deacons and say, oh, he's banking too much money, make sure. Because listen, what I'm saying is this can't be all church is about. Grow it bigger, make more money. Grow it bigger, make more money. Get more famous. Grow it bigger, get more famous. Make more money until you fall. And then the church suffers. And then the world laughs at us again. And then the world that was on the border of, of trying to make peace with God, of trying to go, ah, I knew it. I knew it. That's what the whole church is about, that guy. The purpose of the church is fellowship. You know, the word says that the purpose of the church is fellowship. Like, we're supposed to get along and have fun. It's good for us to... To be together, amen? We don't have to come in here serious and go, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And be, it, it's good for us to laugh and hug and, and pick people off the floor, and, right? It's good. It's, it's fellowship. That's God. That's, that's God stuff. Purpose of the church is communion. 
Divided we fall. Divided we fall. Purpose of the church is discipleship, is to hear the word, is to, to be taught the word, is to interpret the word. Purpose of the church is evangelism. The purpose of the church is, is to be a place where people can be loved and learn how to love. See, the word refers to us as the bride of Christ, right? And, and the purpose of the church is to prepare the bride of Christ for the wedding feast. Come on, it's a beautiful picture. To prepare the bride of Christ for the wedding feast to meet the groom. Here's the problem. There's too many brides missing. You might be all set. You have your dress. You have your flowers picked out. You have the venue secured. The food is selected. But there are too many brides missing. And I want us as a sanctuary to do something about that. I want this place to be a sanctuary. I want to create places that would be sanctuary for those that have been broken and lost and for those that are being used and exploited. Listen, before I die, listen, this is what I want. Before I die, my grandkids call me and, 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 and my wife, Papa, and Yaya. Yaya means grandma in Greek. Some women just don't want to be called grandma. You guys, all right, cool, cool. Even as beautiful and young and, and incredible as they are, Nobody wants to be called grandma. I don't want to be called grandpa either. I like papa and yaya. So listen, this is, I, I would love to build papa's house. Like just a home for, for boys, for, for men, right? For, to, to teach, to equip, to sit. I want to build yaya's house. A home for women, a shelter, a place, right, where we can take these kids and, and, and kind of nurture them for a couple of years and, 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 and equip them, and, right? So, I mean, that's what the church should be focusing on. Those are the things that matter. James 1.27 says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. How can we get the wisdom and the finances to do that, this little church in the Bronx? Well, like he was with Solomon, he's with us. Amen? He's able to do more than we can ask or imagine. Just looking at my watch to give you hope. I'm just getting started here. So last week we were on First and Second Samuel. We talked about King Saul. He divides God's people, Israel. Then King David unites them once again after going through some things. And we see all the drama with David's sons and how they did some of the same things that David's, David did. And, you know, these are the things that we don't really talk about. We, we talk a lot about the good things of David and people have this. But, but David's son raped one of his sisters. You're like, that's in the word? Yeah. Just like David pretty much did to Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. Do you think like that was consensual? You think like he joined, you know, uh, Old Testament mingle and met Bathsheba online and said, hey, why don't you come over? No. He peeped her from the roof and he said, yo, I like her. Bring her. He didn't say go ask her. Go get her account. Go get me her WhatsApp so I can chat with her. He said, go bring her to me. I don't know if you see that as rape or not, but she didn't have a choice. So another son of David's killed that son because David didn't take care of that. So towards the end of his life, David is falling apart. His sons from different women are fighting and killing it because he never should have had the different, but we already talked about that, right? And so and they even end up trying to kill him, and one sets himself up as the next king, but then David finds out about it, and he appoints Bathsheba's son, Solomon, as the next king. <coughs> what we don't see or focus on is that while all this drama is going on with the families, God's people suffer. If the king that appointed to lead his people out of idolatry and bring them into fellowship with him is too busy messing up his own affairs. Wait, let me rephrase that. If the pastors and leaders of today's church who are called to be leading and, and, and creating are too busy messing up their own affairs. Who's going to bring these people into fellowship with God? Divided, we fall. 
We see David as this great worshiper, but he wasn't too good at following through with everything else. And, and as I was kind of meditating on that, I said, that's a picture of the church today. Watch. You can see hundreds of people in worship. You, you, people are going by thousands to Hillsong or, or Bethel concerts, and they love to worship. Here's my question. What happens when they leave the altars? What do they do when their hands are not lifted up anymore? Listen, Pastor Gary and I, man, when we were young in the Lord, we, were, we used to fly, drive, walk all over the country to be anywhere that we heard God was doing something revival, right? Bronx, Brownsville revival, we, we flew down there. We were there. We had to, that, during that season that, that God was moving in that church, you had to get there at 7 in the morning to wait online for a 7 p.m. service. What? I know, it sounds ridiculous. Seven in the morning, you made a line in the parking lot that winded and winded and winded and winded and winded to be there for a 7 p.m. worship service. Who would do that? But we did it. Me and Gary did it. And, and, and it's amazing because, you know, when you have an expectation from God, things are going to happen anyway. No matter what's going on. When people are excited and expecting something from God, God will move. Right? So I remember in those 12 hours before the service, there were healings. There were manifestations of God. There were breakthroughs. There were people getting saved, which kind of puzzled me because I said, wait, there's unsaved people waiting 12 hours for for a a 7 p.m. service? What's going on? Toronto outpouring, me and Gary were there. We went. We saw people were barking like dogs. People were laughing for six hours at a time. We were there stepping over all the bodies at the altar like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Okay, God, whatever. <laughs> and we were there, man. I was there when, when um, I won't mention names, but, you know, he went like that and everybody fell and I stayed standing. And so then I took the knee just to not stand out, you know. <laughs> and then we followed those people, man, because those people had an anointing from God. And, well, we kept hearing, and, and there's so much thing, and God is using them. And so we went to, I, I remember I was at a, at a hotel here at something that, that one of, again, no names, but one of those guys were there, and it was just meeting with leaders and pastors, and our pastor at the time couldn't go, so he made us go, but we were happy because we wanted to be there, and so we went there again. We're in a small room, and he waved something at us, and everybody hit the floor, and I forgot. That's it. And I, I don't know, you know, what, what it is about that, but, I, and, but, but it bothered me. I said, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm, maybe, you know, maybe there's no God in me. Maybe I have no. Some of you might not agree, but I think what you do after worship carries more weight than what you do during worship. You could dance like David, you could laugh like a hyena, you could bark like a dog, you could jump and cry for an hour, you could have a heart-melting, euphoric experience, but if it ends when the music stops and nothing changes, I don't think maybe God was in there for you. After First and Second Samuel, we, we get hit with First and Second Kings. Both of those books were really just one letter, but they, we broke them up. Into first and second, but first and second kings, we find um, God had promised David that from his lineage would come this messianic king who would establish God's kingdom over the nation. And the book tells us the, the story of the long line of kings that came after David, and none of them lived up to that promise. Solomon fulfilled David's dream of building a temple. You know, David wanted to build God this temple, and, and, and God said, no, you're a man of war, and there's too much blood on your hands. But I'm going to, from you, I'm going to bring this messianic king from your line. 
I'm going to bless you, but you're not going to be able to bless me like that. Solomon fulfilled that. He, he built the temple, and there's chapters in there. It tells us how beautiful and perfect it was, and the vines, and this, and the jewels. And, and it's a picture of the Garden of Eden where, where God meets with people, where heaven touches earth. But after he builds that thing, immediately he starts blowing it. He starts to marry the daughters of other kings, hundreds of them, to form political alliances. Like, God needs alliances. Like, haven't we learned anything yet? God doesn't need alliances. I hate when the, you don't know as a pastor, the email and the junk and the calls that I get. Oh, you need to, you need to network. I don't need to network with nothing. I just need to be about what God wants me to do. Amen? If God wants to connect me with somebody, he'll connect me. If God wants us to, he'll bring us together. He can do that. I don't have to force my, my foot in the door anywhere. Amen? I don't need alliances. I got God. And so, so he, he does all that. And then the problem with that, God told him this is no good. They told, he was told this is not going to work. David told him this is not going to work. What he does now, he brings all these women, has all these wives, and so now he starts to worship their gods. See, when you bring something into your house, it becomes part of you. Oh, this is for somebody today. When you bring something in your house that's not of God, someone in your house, when you bring something into your home, it affects you and it becomes part of you. Some of you have things in your homes you need to get rid of. That was just a, a picture, okay? You're wondering why I'm still stuck. That's why you're still stuck. There's an idol in your house that you need to just get rid of. You might think, well, that's stupid. It's just a statue or it's just a thing. It's been there forever. My mother, mother had that. My mother. Yeah, that's why they're still broke. That's why there's still a generational line of cursing coming through your house. Stop it. Break it. Stop it. Amen? Stop it. Stop it. Just because you're Puerto Rican, you don't have to have a Santa Barbara and any of that junk in your house. Just because you're Cuban, just because you're Puerto Rican, that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Make a break from it. I know I used to work that stuff. So I'm telling you that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. So he adopts all their gods and he introduces the worship of those gods to Israel. Again, the church suffers. The people of God. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, he starts acting just like his father. Then under Jeroboam, the nation of Israel splits. And, and it becomes Israel and Judah, the north and the south. These are the tribes of Israel that God brought together into the promised land to, to be a, a, a beautiful picture of the nation of God to people. Now they're divided against each other. When you don't fight what God tells you to fight, you end up fighting each other. I'll just say that again. So they split. There's Israel and Judah. Each of them have their own set of kings now, about 20 each. And if we measure these kings against what a true king of God's people should be measured by, did he worship God of Israel alone? Did he remove all idolatry? And did he keep the covenant of God? The northern half are zero for 20, not one good king. Can you imagine how many miserable years under bad leadership? Yeah, we know about that. Zero for 20, no good kings. The southern half, Judah, only about eight of them get a good rating. During all of these times of kings, now we're introduced to another character. These are awesome men and women of God, the prophets. God introduces another character. Let's look at everything God has done for his people in the here real quick. They fall. They step out from under the covering in the garden. He covers them. They call out to God. He answers. They blow it. He gives them a restart. They're enslaved. He raises deliverers. They're afraid. He guides and protects them. They're persecuted. He swallows up their enemies. They fall. He forgives. They turn. He returns them. They want what's not good for them again and again. He lets them learn hard lessons on consequence, but he doesn't leave them there. They're lost. He raises up those that would lead them. They have no place because of their own disobedience. He promised them a place and prepares this place. They wander in complaining and disobedience and even in idolatry. They break their promises, but he keeps his. When, when, when they do this, when they do what he says and he confronts the enemy, he drives them out every time. When they get comfortable and slack in their commitment to him, he's still committed to them. He still finds a way to bless them, to provide for them, to multiply them for us, to cover us, to lead us, to feed us, to find a way for us 
to bless us. He still finds a way to stay committed to us. Historically, every time they call out, he finds a way to bring them close. First it was leaders and spiritual guides. Then it was judges. Then they wanted kings. It was certain kings. And then as all the kings started failing them, as he told them they would, he sends prophets, men of God. And God sends prophets to lead and to guide these kings and these people. And there, that's when we read about prophets like Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. Just so you know, all those books in the Bible, those are the prophets that were in between this time of, of kings and, and, and Hosea and Joel and Amos and Obadiah and, <coughs> and Jonah and Micah and Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah and Haggai and Zach. Why doesn't God quit? Why doesn't God just give up on us? Doesn't that grab your heart? Why doesn't God give? I would have sent you one prophet, maybe two. Maybe my cousin, you know, whatever. But they still want to listen to you? Yo, be out. Let's break. Let's be out. How, how long must God endure us? But how much, how much must he love us? He even, he, 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 t- he sends these prophets to come on the scene and be to different people and different times and different groups. Some of them, <laughs> he even tells them, you're going to go to these people, nobody's going to listen to you. But I want you to go anyway. Imagine being that guy. What a great job. It's like a pastor sometimes. Nobody's going to listen to you. But I want you to go anyway. I want you to tell him anyway. See, what I see from that is God's grace isn't dependent on our response. Oh, come on. Worship team, come. God's grace isn't dependent on our response. We'll talk about some of these prophets maybe in the next week or so. But let me finish this little piece here. By the end of 2 Kings, the Assyrians come down and they take out the northern kingdom. They destroy the capital city of Samaria. So now the lone southern kingdom, Judah, they have a couple of good kings, Hezekiah, Josiah. But in between them, the worst king they've ever had was Manasseh. And Manasseh comes in and not only does he bring the idols and the idol worship into the temple in Jerusalem, he also sets up child sacrifices. There's a direct correlation to today, but I'm not going to take that. And then once that happens, God says to the prophets, tell them the time is up. Time is up. Even in his grace, God will only let us get so divided from him before he forces a change. Even that is God's goodness and grace. So the Babylonian Empire comes in, invades Jerusalem, destroys the temple. God said, you'll no longer worship me like that again. Destroys the temple, carries God's people, including the royal line of David, into exile. And once again... Even after all this history, even after all these demonstrations of God's grace, even after all these miracles, even after all the worship, all the answered prayers, God's, God's people find themselves once again in exile. Slaves to the people that they wanted to be like. So how does this all connect to us? Some of you say, all right, I'm bored with history. I never liked history. How, how does, what does this have to do with me? What are we learning from watching these people, you might ask? Well, what was their responsibility? What did God want them to do? God wanted them to keep his commandments and covenants and walk in peace with him. That's all God wanted. God wanted to have fellowship with them. That's all God wanted. We make it so complicated. God just wanted you to walk well with him. 
to overcome their enemies and not try to be like them. To show the nations that God is real, that God has a plan, that God is the one true God. Listen, time after time, and we'll see it in the prophets a lot, prophet after judge after king, he showed them their gods are nothing. Their gods are false gods, false representations of people's lust and pride. Family, nothing's changed. That's what we have to see. We are those people. That's still what we're called to do. Just to live in peace with God and live in peace with each other. To show the nations that God is real, that God has a plan, that God is the one true God, that he loves us, that he chose us, that together, united, we're more than overcomers. We're more than able to accomplish these things that God has prepared for us to walk in. We can't do that with a divided heart. We can't do that with a divided church. With a church that has no impact on the world around it because they can't see or feel the love of God. The problem they seem to have as we study is they keep forgetting who they are and who they're called to be. And if there's one big thing that we can easily spot is they keep wanting to be like the nations around them. How about us, church? Do we have to lose this building again to see that God wants us to deal with the people outside? There's no more trees around us to fall on us, so I don't know how else he'd do it, but he can do it. This might seem like a foreign concept, but look, our love for each other should make the world jealous. The way we love each other and the way we love people should make atheists reconsider. Our love for them should prove that God is worthy to be praised. A God who created us, loves us, and has blessed us to be a blessing. Come on, man. Go ahead. Can we just stand today? God is leading us to repentance this morning. We just want to sing a song of that, of repentance. I'm sorry 
But I forgot that you're enough Take me back to where it started I open up my heart caught up in your presence this morning. Father, like we started this service, Lord, we desire to be in your presence, oh God. It's not because we have to. It's because we want to. It's because we long for you, Lord. 
But Father, you speak directly to our lives. You speak to your church because it is alive, oh God. And you chase away the darkness with truth, oh God. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us enough, Lord, that you're patient enough, Father, to to speak, Lord, to your children, oh God. And even when we don't listen, even though we, even when you know we won't listen, you, you still send forth prophets, Father, to speak to us, oh God. At the chance, Lord, that we would even hear. That's just how good you are. That's just how faithful you are, oh God. And Father, you've done that. You've done that even with each and every one of our lives, Lord. You spoke until we heard you. And we were drawn to your voice. And we were drawn to the creator of the universe that we call Father. Our Abba Father. And we are in this place, Lord. So we're not hard-headed. Because we heard that. So Father, continue to speak to us. Never take your voice from us. But continue to speak, oh God, and we we will listen. Father, we thank you once again. Can we just lift our hands together? Father, we are yours. We belong to you. And Father, I thank you for your grace and your kindness. Thank you that you continue to work in us and through us, oh God. And we will get it together. We will get it right, Father, because there's no other choice, Lord. You're coming back for a church without spot and blemish, and that's a promise that you've made, oh God, and and we ain't got no other choice, oh God. So if it's a promise you made, then it's a... And we know that we can count on that happening, Lord. Father, we love you once again. We are blessed to be a a blessing. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.